0: Good morning. Wow, well, when I saw my name on the preaching roster for Mother's Day, I was pretty chuffed. I thought, oh, this must mean that someone realises I'm the perfect mum. <laughs> and by the laughter and the look on my two kids' faces there, I'm guessing that's not the reason. So then I thought, oh. I must have been the perfect daughter. Yeah, I know that's not true. Did I have a perfect mum? She was a great mum, but not perfect. No, I'm here today because I'm just like every one of you. I'm a broken person, just trying to be the best person I can be. And this Mother's Day... I do want to say Happy Mother's Day to each person. Not because we're all perfect and happy and everything's going the way we all want it to go, but because there's a message that I hope we're all open to hearing today that I think gives us the opportunity to be filled with joy today, no matter who you are or where you find yourself. And I want us to start today by looking at Genesis chapter 16, So get your Bibles out or your phones, or it's going to be on the screen, so you can just read it there. And in Genesis 16, we find some really important things about God and the way he interacts with us as people in the midst of our imperfect mess. So let's read from verse 1 in chapter 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. Now in our culture, that sounds like a very strange thing, doesn't it? In that day, though, things were very different. And if a woman was unable to conceive, it was quite normal for a husband to sleep with another woman to produce an heir and have another wife. That was quite acceptable. And for us, even this concept of slavery, of having a slave or a servant that you would give to your husband, it's foreign and horrible to us. But back then, Sarah would have felt and was completely within her rights to order Hagar to become her husband's wife. So let's keep reading. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress Sarai with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abram, "'This is all your fault. "'I put my servant into your arms, "'but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt.' The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. Sounds a little like many arguments, doesn't it? Abram replied, look, she's your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. Wow. What a mess. Many, many, many years ago, trust me, many years ago, I liked watching soapies. And This just reminds me of the bold and the beautiful. <laughs> I've been reading these, this passage for the last couple of weeks, and I've been struck by how messy the situation. And if you'd asked me to start with, what do you know about Sarah and Abram, or Sarah and Abraham? I would have gone, "Oh, yeah, Abraham's that obedient servant of God. He obeys God. He has faith." And I read this passage and I think, oh, sounds like he just kind of shrugs his shoulders and go, oh, whatever. I'll just go along with what my wife says. And Sarah, I would have just said, oh, she's that one that couldn't have a baby, but she had a baby in her old age. God blessed her. And here, I'm reminded that she was actually so desperate for a child that she gave her husband another woman. And then treated her slave, basically abused her slave enough that a pregnant slave would run away. It had to be pretty bad. So here, what I was reminded of is that these Bible stories are full of broken, ordinary people, just like us. They have their strengths, they have their weaknesses, just like us. And they're doing their best to live in the culture that they lived in. But life isn't easy. I wonder if that sounds familiar to you. I wonder what it is, what the circumstances are, or the people in your life, the things about yourself that make you think, I'd love life to be different. Let's have a look at what happens next for Hagar in her messy situation. So reading from verse 7, the angel of the Lord found Hagar. Now, the angel of the Lord is used in the Old Testament basically to say this is a manifestation of God. This is God coming down to meet with his people. So the angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. And the angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress Sarah, she replied. Where have you come from and where are you going? That's what God asked Hagar. Where have you come from and where are you going? Now, God already knows, but He asks Hagar about her past and about her future. And if you look at her answer, you'll notice she says, I'm running away. That's based on her past and her present. But what doesn't she mention? Her future. She doesn't know her future and she probably doesn't even really think she has a future. Now, we all like to plan for our future, don't we? In some way or another. And it's not a bad thing, but none of us actually have any idea what our future holds. I remember someone saying to us once, Give God a laugh. Show him your five-year plan. (laughs) The best laid plans often go awry. And sometimes we plan our path ahead and it works out just as we hoped. Oh, feels good, doesn't it? But often we make a plan and it doesn't quite work out how we thought. Sometimes the choices we make send us off that path. Sometimes the choices other people make cause our path to change. Sometimes it's things that are out of anyone's control. You know, there's natural disasters, there's health issues, sickness, financial hardship, global pandemics. Sometimes the path ahead can actually feel empty and bleak and hopeless. Have you ever experienced that? Some of you? Our futures are unknown except to God. And he knows that Hagar can't see a future, but he gives her one. Let's read on. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. And then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You're to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. This son of yours will be a wild man as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. And she also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that well was named Beelahairoi, which means well of the living one who sees me. So Hagar gave Abram a son and Abram named him Ishmael. Did I miss a whole section? So Hagar gave Abram a son, it's written wrong in my notes, and Abram named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. Those of us who are feeling old, 86 years old and you have a baby. Hagar's running away from a horrible situation and God says, go back. But then he adds, I'll give you more descendants than you can count. He gives her a future, and he gives a future to the child she's carrying. Now, sometimes when we read something like this that is from a very different culture to ours, it's difficult to understand. So I read that description of the future for Hagar and her son, and I thought it was pretty awful. It's not exactly what I would want for my sons. But when we read Hagar's response, we realise that we're looking at it through the lens of our day, our culture. For her, she had no future. She thought she was going to die. And God's showing her that no, there is a future for you and there's a future for generations to come. And she realises she's met with God and that he sees her, he knows her and that's enough for her to go back. And so she gives Abram his son Ishmael. Here's Hagar in desperate, horrible circumstances. People have treated her badly, and they're going to do so in the future too. But she's confronted with this amazing truth. God knows her. He sees her, and he knows her. And here I am, and here you are. We don't know what our future holds, but God sees us, and he knows us. Genesis then continues for a few chapters with the story of Abraham and Sarah, including their name change, if you picked up on that, from Sarai and Abram to Sarah and Abraham, and the birth of their son Isaac in their very old age. It's a great read, but we haven't got time for it all in one sitting, so I'll take you to the next installment in Hagar's story. We pick that up in Genesis 21. When Isaac grew up and was about to be weaned, Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. But Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham, and her Egyptian servant Hagar making fun of her son Isaac. So she turned to Abraham and demanded, get rid of that slave woman and son. He's not going to share the inheritance with my son Isaac. I won't have it. This upset Abraham very much because Ishmael was his son. But God told Abraham, Do not be upset over the boy and and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you, for Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. But I will also make a nation of the descendants of Hagar's son, because he is your son too. So Abraham got up early the next morning, prepared food and a container of water, and strapped them on Hagar's shoulders. Then he sent her away with their son, and she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water was gone, she put the boy in the shade of a bush, and she went and sat down by herself about 100 yards away. I don't want to watch the boy die, she said, as she burst into tears. Maybe you remember times when you've experienced this kind of desperation, this kind of hopelessness. Some of you might even be able to relate to that now. If we read on in verse 17, but God heard. God heard. But God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven Hagar, what's wrong? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Go to him and comfort him, for I will make a great nation from his descendants. Then God opened Hagar's eyes and she saw a well full of water. She quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness. He became a skillful archer and he settled in the wilderness of Paran. His mother arranged for him to marry a woman from the land of Egypt. So we've got Hagar at her wit's end, wandering in the wilderness. Just imagine for a moment, she's got a flask of water and some food. It's not really enough to keep her going with her son, and Ishmael would have been round about 15 or so by this time. He's called a boy, but he would have been a teenager. Now those of us who are mothers, probably most of us, can imagine what it would be like not just for your own life to be at risk, but to be wandering in the wilderness with your teenager and you've got no water. She's having to wander around and watch her son weaken to the point of almost dying. So she puts him under a bush in the shade and she walks literally a bow shot away because she can't watch him and she's sobbing. And I don't know, I can imagine that Hagar's mind would have been doing exactly what we do when we face tough times. Where are you, God? What about the promises you made? Why me? Why us? Why do we have to go through all of this? But the God who sees her displays again that he's the God who hears her as well. And he calls to her, what's wrong? Don't be afraid. I can hear your boy crying. I hear you, says God. And he reminds her again that there's a future for her son. And he enables her to see just the next step of that future, a well full of water. So Hagar's reminded that God knows her and he loves her and he has a future of hope for them. He doesn't promise them a life of ease, but he does let them know that he's with them and that he's there and sees them and hears them. And I wonder if you feel heard today. If you're a mum with little kids, you may not feel heard most days. Also know that some people, for all sorts of reasons, feel insignificant and unheard. Some of you today, being Mother's Day, will feel like it's a day for you not to be heard. Sometimes we feel like we're too insignificant to be heard by anyone, let alone God. And sometimes because of that, we don't even cry out to God. We might not think he's listening, or we might feel too overwhelmed to be able to put our prayers into words, Perhaps you're at a stage of life where getting a time of quietness is rare. Time with God also might be difficult to prioritise. You might be like me and continually make your life so busy that it's hard to find time for quiet with God. Now, I don't want to come across like I'm saying those times aren't important, it's really important that we prioritise time with God. But I, hear, I want us to hear today that wherever we are and whatever our life is like, however broken or insignificant we feel, however far from God we might feel we are, he knows you, he sees you, he hears you. And it doesn't depend on you and your ability to sit with God or your ability to hear Him, it just depends on Him, on God. And He is always present and always perfect. And you don't have to be falling apart to be desperate. Sometimes life is just so busy or you're facing impossible tasks, deadlines, pressure. I want us to take a little look at Moses here as a bit of an example. Remember Moses standing on the shores of the Red Sea and he's got the Egyptians, the Egyptian army coming towards him and the Israelites and the sea behind him. And he gives this inspiring speech in Exodus 14. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid, just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Just stay calm as you watch an army come towards you. They're great words to say to someone who's not calm. Just stay calm. But even as he's speaking, what's happening in Moses' heart? What's happening inside him? Have a look at what God says to Moses in the next verse, verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Moses might sound confident as he delivers that speech to his people, but God isn't just hearing the outward words. He's hearing Moses' heart. And in Moses' heart, he's crying out to God. And God hears him and he responds and he gives him the next steps for his future and his people's future. So however you are outwardly today... Confident, happy, maybe not. God is hearing your heart. In Romans, we read, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. God searches our hearts and knows our hearts. We don't know whether Moses was even aware that he was crying out to God. He gave this big, confident speech. But the Holy Spirit knows what our heart's cry is. The Holy Spirit searches our hearts. And he intercedes when we don't even know what to pray. So whether it's a sigh of loneliness, the ache of grief and loss, the stab of fear, worry for your future or for your child's future, the gnawing pain of rejection, it might be quiet and invisible to others, even to yourself, but not to God. He sees you, He hears you and he interprets perfectly and he answers. God knows us inside and out and he sees us just like he saw Hagar. He hears us just like he heard Hagar's son and Moses. And he sends his Holy Spirit who searches our hearts and speaks for us when we can't even utter the words. Nine years ago, I had my first Mother's Day without my mum. I missed her. Now, I have two gorgeous boys, and Mother's Day was still a celebration for me. And I guess a little bit like Moses, I had an outward sense of joy and celebration, and that was real. It wasn't put on, but it wasn't the whole picture because inside... It was hard, but God was hearing me. He could see inside me, and he knew me, and he was with me. Today, whatever your circumstances, whatever your relationship with your mum or your children, whatever loss you might be grieving, whatever grudge you might be holding, however broken you are, however broken you feel, God sees you, God hears you, God knows you and God loves you and he wants to bring that assurance into your life today. I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment. We're going to close in prayer but before we do I just want you to sit for a moment and hear these words. God sees you, God hears you, God knows you, and God loves you. Lord God, we thank you that you are the God who sees us. Thank you that you hear us, even when we can't express ourselves or don't even quite know what's going on inside us thank you God that you know us inside out and even in knowing us inside out you love us and so God I pray for each person here today and listening to this I pray that we will just grasp a little bit more of the reality of your love for us And that you would just help us grow in that knowledge, Lord God. Amen.